Be Still My Soul. That's, that's one of my favorite hymns, but I have never heard it sung that good. So, thank you. What a blessing. We're in the book of Romans just for a few more weeks. And we are, uh, I mean, Romans 8, just for a few more weeks. <laughs> in fact, today we are. Romans 8, 28, a verse I'm sure has, has been a comfort to many and sometimes confusing to not a few, a verse on God's providential care. Providence, Pro- providence is God's way of working out his will behind the scenes. It is God's hand on a person's life, often moving in unseen, unknown ways to fulfill the word, the, the word and the will of God in that person's life. God gives his providential care over his children all their life and brings them safely home and to the point that he has designed for them. Sometimes in God's providential care he holds us in his hand and his his other hand covers us and he guards us he protects us from things in this life and that's his providential care but there are other times that he still holds us in his hand but he lets us be exposed to some things but nothing and no one will ever pluck us out of that hand His providential care is always there. So we ought to give God a hand clap. Ooh. No. God will will never let anyone take you out of his hand or anything bad happen to you. But bad things happen, don't they? So how do we reconcile this? This verse goes a long way in answering that question. Look at Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. There's an old saying that those who see God's hand in everything can best leave everything in God's hand. It's understanding the providential care of God. And we're, we're just going to um, break this verse down a bit this morning to see how this works out. First of all, the, the certainty of God's providence in our life. Paul begins by saying, we know. We know that all things work together for good. God does not desire us to live our Christian lives by means of merely positive or wishful thinking but with the certainty of trust in a God who is sovereign over all the affairs of man. A God who is creator and sustainer of all. A God who is always faithful. A God who is omniscient and omnipotent. And our trust is in that God. And so we, we don't just hope or wish or think, but we know that he is able to to guard us and guide us 
he is able by his providential care to bring us through. We trust in God. And we can and should live in the certainty of that trust. And so Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good. Well, how do we know? Well, for one thing, if you've been a believer for very long, you have experienced this. You have, you have seen God's hand in your life. And sometimes seeing that is uh, hindsight, right? You get, you get past a trial or something and you look back and you see how, how God brought you through that. And that was God's providential hand. And we don't always see it in the moment, but we see it through our life. And through the experience of a Christian life, we see so many ways that God has, has worked in our life and in our circumstances, not just in us, but in people around us and the circumstances in which we live or work. But also, and more importantly, we can know these things because God says so. Because we have God's word for it and that is the chief reason to have certainty of these things because God says. Secondly, consider the extent of God's providence. And we know that all things work together for good. All things. That's the extent. This, this is a completely comprehensive statement. There are no restrictions no exclusions, and no blackout dates. God is always faithful, and he always uses all things. God's providence can, uh, covers the whole range, all things, all the good things, and all the bad things, and all the things in between. We know that all things work together for good. We certainly know that the good things do, and we're glad for those, as James 1.17 reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of changing. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, and He bestows them upon His children, and through His providential care, He has provided for us, he has protected us. He has guarded us. He has guided us. Through his providence, he will safely bring us home. Sometimes we don't understand those good things, as I said, until after the fact. And sometimes it's in the moment, but God's hand is upon our life. I remember uh, one time I was um, going to a meeting and uh, was running a little bit late and my ran out to the car and my briefcase fell open I guess it hadn't latched all the way or something and so files are falling out and under the car and everything so I'm having to scoop all, them all up and get them back in this briefcase and I'm already late and you know so I'm kind of aggravated about this and I head off down the highway and um, as I'm driving down the highway I'm in the center lane there's uh, uh, large trucks on both sides of me, tractor trailers, both sides. I'm like in this tunnel. And on a bridge up ahead, a generator on a bridge they're working on fell off the bridge right into the center lane. Right? Uh, there was nowhere to go because of the trucks on both sides of me. Had I been 
five seconds earlier, that would have fallen right on my car. But it didn't. And so the thing I was aggravated at, the dropping the briefcase stuff and so forth, um, I wonder if God sent his angel, George, <laughs> to n knock my briefcase open. I was sure it was closed. Somebody did something. To make that drop, to make me five seconds later to avoid that. But so many things like that happen in our lives. Sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't. God's good grace. It's easy to recognize and acknowledge the good things God provides, isn't it? We are so grateful for those things. Uh, uh, but, but do we see them? Do we recognize them? Or do we sometimes take them for granted? God tells us, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and, and he will give it to you liberally. I mean, it's an open offer. But when is the last time you ask God for wisdom? God has been unceasingly faithful to you this past week. How great is his goodness. Even though you have not been unceasingly faithful to him. And God is not stingy with his good things either. Look at verse 32 in this Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God was willing to make that greatest of sacrifices, that richest of gifts in his son. How much more will he also freely give us all things? So good things are incorporated in the all things, but also the bad things. We know that all things work together for good. That includes the bad things. The good things we gladly accept in our lives. The bad things not so eagerly. Is God sovereign over the bad stuff too? Well, if he isn't, who is? Have you ever thought of that? If God is not sovereign over all the bad things too, then who would be? And whoever that would be, would be God. See, God is not wondering, I wonder what bad thing is going to happen to John this week. And I wish I could do something about it, John, but I'm not sure. I'm going to try. But, but God is sovereign over all things, even the bad things that come into our lives. God will even use those bad things for our ultimate good and his glory. Uh, one of the, the clearest, best examples of this is uh, Joseph in Egypt. How did Joseph get this free trip to Egypt? Well, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Not a good thing. Children, do not sell your brothers or sisters into slavery. This is... It's not a pattern for life that you want to follow. Not a good thing. 
But did God use it? Potiphar's wife lied about him, falsely accused him, had him sent to prison. Not a good thing. I wonder if Joseph thought, well, I'm glad this happened. I don't think so. And yet, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 50, he tells his brothers, I know that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Who was in control of all those things that happened in Joseph's life? God was. And even Pharaoh had to admit, we can see the spirit of God in you. Because God so blessed Joseph. God was in control. How about Jonah? Remember he tries to run away from God and he's, he's on this ship bound for Tarshish and God sends this huge storm and the sailors are afraid they're going to die. And so they have to throw Jonah off, off the ship. And then the very next chapter, Jonah is praying to God about God doing this. About God sending the storm and throwing him off and swallowing him with a fish. So who did it, the men or God? And the answer is yes, both of them. Is it a good thing to get thrown off a ship? Probably not. It's a good thing to have a storm that you're afraid you're going to lose your life. Probably in the middle of that storm, none of those sailors would say, you know, this is pretty cool. I like this storm. But God was using it. God did it, and God did it for a greater purpose. Why in this world does God allow suffering in our life? Why, why does he even allow bad things to happen to us? Well, a number of reasons. Let me just remind you of a few. For one thing, it is a reminder that this world is not our home. We, we're never going to be fully satisfied here, nor are we meant to be. This world is not our home. It's also a reminder of the consequences of sin. Both our sin and the sin of others, and that we live in a sin-cursed world. And so bad stuff happens. And God allows that as a constant reminder of the need to be in a right relationship with Him. God allows sometimes bad things to happen so that we might cling all the more to Him. If, if we felt that everything was going fine all the time and we didn't need God, would we cling to Him? Of course not. So this is a reminder of our need to cling to our God. James 1 also says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. God uses the trials in our life to produce godly character in our life. God even uses sin, our sin, in our life. He, as a faithful heavenly father, he brings chastisement to us, as Hebrews 12 says, to, uh, uh, to bring the sin to our mind and for us to get right with him. And so he faithfully ministers to us. 
He gives us a reminder of what we are without him when we sin and our, of our ultimate need for him and his desire to refine us and to make us like his son. He uses the sin of others in our lives. Uh, those of us who have been studying the book of Daniel uh, just recently uh, studied Daniel in the lion's den and how did he get there? Well, it was some uh, co-workers of Daniel who came up with a scheme to get him trapped uh, because he would not worship the king instead of he, he prayed to his God. And so by being faithful, he was doing the right good thing. He was honoring God, worshiping God, and because of that, he gets thrown into the lion's den. But what happened? God shut the mouths of those lions. And when King Darius came and opened the uh, cave the next day, there was Daniel unhurt, and he had his co-workers thrown into the, the lion's den. But not only that, he praised God, the God of Daniel, who was able to do this, and sent out a decree to all the land that the, this God, the God that Daniel worships, is to be honored by all. And so God used the sin of other men conspiring against him and uh, trying to get him killed, he used that to bring glory to himself and exaltation even to Daniel. So God uses all things, the good things, the bad things, and things in between. Then the pattern of God's providence, they, they work together. We know that all things work together. Now, the Greek word here translated by two words, work together, is soon ergo, from which we get the English word synergy. The, just a transliteration of that Greek word, synergy. Synergy happens when there are two or more elements which are combined together and they yield something which is different from and often better than what those elements would be on their own. That's what synergy does. Let me give you a few quick examples. Imagine we had a, a group of, a pile of chain links all by themselves, big old chain links piled up but not connected. Well, if we were to connect those together, we could do more with those chain links than what we could just with them by themselves. So you get the idea of something combined together is greater than what it is separate. But, but synergy is more than that. It's actually the combining of, of things which makes something different. Um, e even combining some bad things, like taking two poisons, uh, sodium and chloride, and you put those together, and what do you get? Salt. Um, or here's one I like to think of because it's meaningful to me. Let's say you're going to make a cake. And... So, see, I, I called Sherry and I asked her, what do I need to make a cake? And she told me all the ingredients. So I had, you know, some uh, shortening over here in a bowl and some flour over here in a bowl and some salt and all, eggs and all the other things, okay? So those are all the things that go, all the ingredients that go together in the cake. But I decide I don't want to wait 
I mean, you know how long it takes to, to make a cake? I don't want to wait for that. I'm just going to eat the ingredients. So I get a big spoon of the shortening and eat that. No, 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 that's, that's not what's good in the cake. So I decide I'm just going to eat a big spoon of flour. Or how about just a teaspoon of salt by itself? And none of those things by themselves is all that good. But when you combine them together and you put them under fire under heat for a while those things combine together to make a nice cake see God knows the recipe for your life and there may be some things that you look at that by themselves don't look all that good don't taste all that good maybe they're not all that appealing to you by themselves but when they're combined with other things that God is working in your life he knows the exact recipe for what he is wanting to do in your individual life. And every one of you is unique before God. His plan for you and how he's working and his providence in your life is, is different than any other person. Because you have, you're a unique person, you have unique circumstances. He made you uniquely to be as you are. And he's working in you uniquely. And he knows the exact recipe for you. How much of this and how much of that. And you might not have as much of this as someone else. Or more of that than someone else. But he knows exactly what to mix together. The good and the bad and everything in between. And he puts that under fire. To come out with the perfect product that he has designed. God knows what he is doing. And he works all things together for the result of God's providence, which is for good. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, be careful to note here that God does not say that all things are good. There are a lot of bad things. There are a lot of evil things in this world. Not all things are good, but rather that God works together all things for the ultimate purpose of good. He works all things together for good. Well, who decides what is good? Um, I, I think that we, in our humanness, are prone to think that whatever we want, that's, that's what's good. If I want this to happen, then that must be a good thing, right? Whatever I want is good. It's not always that way as far as our Heavenly Father views us. Now, if you're a parent, imagine you have a child who thinks that it would be good for me to have candy every meal. That's what I want for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, candy. You as a parent might have another idea of what is good for your child because you, you see what is really needful for them to have rounded nutrition and so forth so who decides what is good we want to leave to our heavenly father to make that decision the one who knows all things and he knows what he's doing in our life for him to decide what is good 
He knows what is good because he knows what is best. Came across this poem. Um, this was in the. Uh, um, found this in a Bible of uh, a lady who had passed away, and I was doing her funeral, and and I thought it was so neat. I asked uh, her children if it'd be okay if I copied this down. I don't know who the author was. It might have been that lady herself, but it's just titled "He Leadeth Me." He leadeth me in pastures green. No, not always. Sometimes he who knoweth best in kindness leadeth me in weary ways where heavy shadows be. Out of the sunshine warm, soft, and bright, out of the sunshine into darkest night, I oft would yield to sorrow and to fright. Only for this, I know he holds my hand. So whether led in green or desert land, I trust, although I cannot understand. He leadeth me beside still waters. No, not always so. Oft times the heavy tempests round me blow, and o'er my soul the waves and billows go. And when the, but when the storm beats wildest and I cry, aloud for help the master standeth by and whispers to my soul, Lo, it is I. Above the tempest wild, I hear him say, Beyond the darkness lies the perfect day. In every path of thine, I lead the way. He leadeth me. So whether on the hilltops high and fair I dwell, or in the sun, sunless valleys where the shadows lie, what matters? He is there. And more than this, where'er the pathway lead, he gives to me no helpless broken reed, but his own hand sufficient for my need. So where he leads me, I can safely go. And in this blessed hereafter, I shall know why in his wisdom he hath led me so. We don't always know right now why he is doing what he is doing, but we trust his faithfulness that he is working all things together for our good by what he terms good. And his good surpasses our great. Who are the recipients of God's providence? Well, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So this, the same group of recipients is viewed from two different perspectives, earthly and heavenly. From an earthly perspective, it's, they're said to be those who love God. From a heavenly perspective, they're said to be those who are the called. So first of all, from the earthly perspective, it is those who love God. The recipients of God's providential care are specifically uh, described here as those who love Him. Nothing more characterizes the life of a genuine believer than that they love God. Redeemed people love the Lord who bought them, who saved them, who loves them. 
we know that saving faith is much more than just believing sure belief is required but it's more than that James again says that even the demons believe but they don't love God they believe and tremble we believe and love him the first and greatest commandment is this that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength you will love God with everything so for those who do that those who love God they are under his providential care and Jesus said if you love me you will keep my commandments John 14, 15 so those who love him it's not just some sentimental saying but it is an obedient following I love you Lord and I give my life to you that kind of a love 1 John 4 reminds us that we love him because he first loved us and because he loved us he set his love upon us he called us to himself he redeemed us and now he works all things together for good to those who love him so do you love him secondly that group of recipients is called to those who are the called again this is seen from heaven's perspective this is God looking down at heaven at, at earth and all those whom he has called John 6 says everyone that he has called will come to him uh, that Christ will lose none of them to all who love God and to those who are the called now he talks about that a bit more in verse 30 moreover whom he predestined these he also called whom he called these he also justified and whom he justified these he also glorified now we'll focus on this, this verse in a couple of weeks but for now just notice that the ones that he called are the ones that he is going to safely bring home to glory and so to those who are the called God has a definite plan in fact a perfect plan for you and he is working all things together for good to you who love God and are the called according to his purpose and that brings us finally to the reason for God's providence and that is it is according to his purpose again Romans 8 28 and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose the reason for his providence is what he is working out on purpose or fulfilling in his purpose God's faithful working in your life is not to fulfill your own purpose but something much greater a lot of people have their own plans and 
hopes and purpose for their life. And they're continually wondering, why isn't God working in my life to help me fulfill my purpose? I want to do this. I want to accomplish that. I want to see this happen in my life. I want to go there. But why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't God fulfilling my purpose? I pray to God. I ask Him, Lord, I want to do this. I want to go there. Why aren't you doing that? Have you forgotten me? And people complain, God just doesn't hear my prayer or answer my prayer. Maybe it's because you're seeking your own purpose and not His. God is fulfilling His purpose. And He's working all things together in your life to bring about His purpose for you. Which is much better than what your purpose could ever be. God is constantly at work in your life, weaving together the, the good and the bad, the, the negative things and the really positive things. He weaves those together in a, into a tapestry of his own design for you specifically. And what he is working together in all those things, he calls good for you. And what he calls good is his purpose. Now that precise purpose is stated in the very next verse, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what is his his long-range plan or purpose that he's working out, that you might be conformed to the image of his son, that you would be Christ-like. That's what he's doing. He's working in our lives to make us more and more like Christ. And he calls that good. And that is so much more gooder than anything you would have come up with. his purpose let's think about applying this to the ultimate example of God's providential care and that is Christ on the cross you remember when Jesus told the disciples that the son of man must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be crucified and Peter said not so my lord may it not be Jesus was saying I'm going to Jerusalem and bad things are going to happen wicked the most evil of things and Peter said no way what was Jesus response to him Oh, I'm so glad you care so much for me, Peter. It was, get thou behind me, Satan. Because Peter was thinking in a demonic, satanic way of not pursuing God's purpose. If it seemed bad, if it seemed evil to say, no way, God couldn't be in it if it's bad, right? 
But was it God's purpose? Was, was Jesus the called according to God's purpose? Yes. Did, did Jesus love God the Father? Of course. Was he called for this? He prophesied it. He fulfilled it. Was the cross good? I have to be careful here because remember not all things are good but what we have to say is that God works all things together for good. And so he used the sin of men to fulfill his purpose of nailing his son to a cross to pay for those very sins and to pay for ours. And that ultimate of bad things, of evil things, the Son of God being nailed to a cross was on purpose that God by His predetermined will sent His Son to the cross because He was working all things together for good for Jesus Christ, the God-man and for you that you might one day be conformed to the image of His Son and spend eternity in heaven. So what is God doing in your life now? What's He been doing? Well, He is working all things together for good. If you can look at even some bad things, perhaps, that, that you have since have happened, and be able to commit the, those to God and say, God, what do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to take from this? What are you teaching me in this? How are you using this in my life? See that God is working in all things. His providential care, His hand upon your life behind the scenes, working, bringing all things together for good, for your good and for His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your magnificent plan for our life how you weave all these things together, things that we can't even see or know in so many cases, but you are using them and working them together for our good and for your glory. And may we be able then to, uh, with a certainty, commit our life to you, our every day to you. Um, may we look for your hand and and uh, appreciate the good things that you are sending, but also even acknowledge things which perhaps are not those that we would have chosen as still from your hand, and to, to ask God how you would use them in our life. We thank you that you are forever faithful, that by your good grace and mercy in our lives, we are your children and in your secure hand where we can never be removed. Thank you, God, for your providence. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're, we're done a little bit early today. Um, and that was on purpose because I need to talk to you about uh, something. <clears throat>